had a customer ask us uh, about what process or whatever we go through for matching drivers on the headphones. And uh, it's a good question. It's a complicated question. It's not like, you know, you just take the headphone and throw it on a test dummy head and go, yep, everything's good, ship it. <laughs> There's a lot of steps that come way before that, <laughs> before the final product's made. It's not really that simple. But, yeah, we could talk about it a little bit, you know. It is a surprisingly complicated process. Uh, what I see other manufacturers advertising more or less is they effectively have software set up to take a driver, characterize it, and then bin and match various drivers together. And there's reasons for that approach. They're totally sound, no issues with it, but that seems to be a bit of a different approach than what we went to. We, we go to pretty moderately significant lengths to effectively build in certainty to the product before it arrives at that stage. Um, there's a lot of things you could do to have a product measure good, but it isn't necessarily good. And that you could claim that's a fault of the measurement system, and to some extent it's true, but there's a lot of things you don't necessarily know, and you can't observe outwardly um, unless you dismantle or you understand the inner workings. Yeah, well, and I mean, primarily because the simple acoustic measurement on a microphone or a test head is not really everything people are concerned about. I mean, in, you know, in terms of a product, I mean, you've got to look at the reliability of the design itself, the mechanical function of it. You know, is it going to fall apart or is right. it going to hold together? There's, it's more than just the sound quality. It's and and all that does affect the sound quality. So you've got to pay attention to the assembly process and the and the parts and the quality of the parts. It's it's all a sum of the whole. A whole. It's a sum of the parts creates the whole. Well, yeah. It's a, after years of making the parts, we we still are finding like a thing. Oh, probably should measure this now. We keep adding things to the list so we we're sure by the end that you have a good part, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I mean, then taking into uh, account, like, paint thicknesses and everything, that was a whole problem, you know? Because, like, all right, we know the parts are right, but then if you have variation between two parts and the paint thicknesses are different, they're sprayed differently, you know, then right. it won't work, too. So there's a lot of variables. And then sometimes we redesign the parts to make it easier to make a good part reliably because um, occasionally you'll have an issue in one particular spot. And you could design it out by changing the way the part's designed so that effectively the human factor uh, produces a desirable part every time. It allows for the variation in the human factor on the, on the, on the various assembly processes or coatings. It mitigates or, the risk, yeah. Yeah, right. Where everything fits together properly and tightly, uh, even given some variation. You know, it's... Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a process you learn over years of doing it, really. It doesn't happen on the first go around, you know. Uh, it is very difficult because yeah. if you think about it critically, you have the best measurement system known, and it measures everything perfectly, which isn't quite possible, but let's assume that that's the case. And you do every measurement possible to characterize this driver perfectly, and you think you have a good driver. But how does that necessarily tell you whether or not it's going to be reliable, whether or not there's a fault in there? It doesn't necessarily tell you if there's a, something in there, a conductor per se, that is fatigued in some way that got damaged during installation assembly. And it's going to fracture and produce um, shrapnel or debris that floats around in the driver and makes a noise. 
And in your quick 30 second or even two minute characterization, this doesn't occur. But after a week or six months, it does in the customer's hands. It doesn't tell you that in the measurement, right? So there's a lot of things like that where that type of deal, you need to be sure during the assembly stage, that's not going to occur. And even prior to that, I mean, you think about every part of the whole is looked at, QC'd, inspected, you know, I mean, right down to every part, every part. The magnets are inspected before they're used. You know, they're measured before they're used. Uh, you know, think, I mean, how many things do we look at before it's a lot. anything's even assembled? But even then, uh, we have to have everything in the same room for at least a day to get acclimated at the same temperature, we, uh, same humidity. We have to control the humidity because that's very important. Yeah, adhesives require humidity control. And, yeah, they don't work. if. So here know. in the winter, we're actually dumping humidity into the room. We've got what a 240-volt wall-mounted humidifier just to be able to uh, set up the assembly area, to get the assembly area up to, you know, the 45 to 50% range. Otherwise, it'd be sitting at 25 or 30 here in uh, the northern climates. Yep. The adhesives don't don't work properly at that All point. these things are monitored and logged. Yeah. We try to ensure that over the entirety of this um, this particular apparatus's existence, it's exposed to consistent temperature and humidity if possible to mitigate risks. And for some of the things, it doesn't matter. But some things are very sensitive to this, and it matters. And you'll see variation that you wouldn't expect. Um, and it... It's surprisingly difficult to characterize these things, but um, it is indeed impactful when you're trying to ship a world-class product. If you want it to work right the first time, it's very important. Everything's as close to perfect as practical. Yeah, metals you don't see like aluminum. You don't see much. Yeah, of they a, don't really care of about a tolerance on temperature. It <laughs> well, for a lot our of, purpose, it yeah, doesn't matter for us. Yeah, yeah. right. I mean, it does things. matter for something. Yeah, so. right. But yeah, you don't see it. It doesn't expansion characteristics. It's just its expansion and contraction characteristics versus temperature aren't as bad as, say, like a, a plastic or a polymer. Those could be dramatic. So if you're using those parts at different temperatures or and so on, or you're not planning for that, you know, and you're shipping it and it's 30 degrees out and it gets somewhere else and something let go, right. you know. Yeah, I mean, it's when you assemble like the that. headphone, yeah. it's 58, 62 degrees or something. It's unusually cold. And then it ships into a desert. You're going to see <laughs> wild issues with tolerances yeah, and right. the way the device is assembled. And some adhesives work and behave entirely differently with different temperatures. And most behave quite differently with humidity changes as well. And it can be really significant. And these are very big factors. And this is complicated because you could produce a thing that measures fine at the time it's manufactured. But then the conditions change when it's shipped to the customer. And now it's different. Now yeah. it's not the headphone you thought you shipped. Right. Well, that's the thing with like adhesive and stuff. They have cure times of 48, 72 hours, but that's at a constant humidity and temperature. Yeah, so if you don't keep spec. it at that certain temperature, yeah, it could change if you yeah. measure it too early. Or Which not. means you get variable results on, yeah. this, on the final assembly once it ships. You know, And again, it's not something you could easily measure. It just it's not, doesn't really show up in those type of Away. So anyway, yeah. th these are the kind of things that as a manufacturer, you learn over time. Um, well, correction, if you're paying attention to what your devices are doing out there in the, in the field, you learn over time. And, uh, you know, I, I, I can't think of anything really at this point. We've, we've seen a few things come back with issues, but I mean, for the most part, we've been lucky, actually. We've been very lucky and fortunate that we've thought a lot through before we ship a product. You know, and particularly now we have so much time under our belt with making these these headphones that, you know, 
I think we kind of already foresee a problem before it occurs. It's, it's engineered out. It's just part of our design process at this point. You know? You'd be surprised as a consumer the things that people will do to your products. And it can be very difficult to try to guess what people are going to do and ensure that it'll either tolerate that or be safe in that use case. Because um, people do all sorts of things that they really shouldn't. And the vast majority of people would laugh at you if you bring it up. Think, oh, no way someone would do that to a headphone that expensive. But people do plenty of weird things. And uh, we need to think about them, understand what are the likely things people are going to subject this product to. How do we ensure that it tolerates it or mitigate the risk should something like this occur? So that it, it, if it were to fail, it fails in a safe manner. You don't have pieces flying somewhere or something like that because that could be an issue with some devices if you have something that's uh if you have a metal that is too hard too brittle it can crack and fracture and potentially either have uh, small pieces that shoot everywhere not like in a super dangerous manner but potentially dangerous and there's a lot of things you can make it if you change the design you can design around the need typically for um such a um such a steel and you could get away with something that's annealed at a higher temperature or something that's a little softer and more ductile and less likely to fracture in the end anyone could abuse anything in any way and really you know ultimately you're going to cause damage if you think about it you know yeah. there, there isn't really anything in the planet that is abuse proof <laughs> it's gonna you, you'll find a way you know if you want to abuse it it's pretty it's you know especially you deal with nice materials it, nice materials are nice materials but they're they're nice materials, right? You, Everything has a limit. You could take a shirt and spend a hundred hours on it, and it might be the finest cotton in the world. But, oh, it still gets but stained. But you can tear it real easy, <laughs> yeah. yeah, or stain it real easy. Spaghetti you know? sauce on you? Yeah, yeah. Or it's it's easy to just rip by accidentally putting it on the wrong way, you know, or pulling it the wrong way. Oh, you know? or too, like a dryer too hot, something or shrink. Your, or your cat yeah. snagging it, you know, with their claws. So yeah, I mean, you think about it. It's it was a nice shirt until that occurs, and it's kind of the way it is with nicer materials. The nicer materials are, they do tend to be a bit more. Uh, fragile, you know, versus, you know, a brick or concrete. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> you know, I think is, the important takeaway is that although it intrinsically seems obvious that you could measure and characterize something perfectly so that you need a match and where well, you could find a match for it and you don't need to worry about the assembly, the assembly is important. Uh, totally. Understanding how and why something's put together a particular way is critical to ensure long-term reliability, serviceability, and that the product doesn't change in the future, producing something that is no longer matched. Yeah, and, and, and to wrap up the really discussion on matching in general, too, is what we know is that, you know, with our particular transducers and in terms of matching sound, right, they're pretty consistent across the board. You know? Well, that's the thing. Since we started in the beginning being tight tolerance, by the time they're end, it's not that... You know, hard. To yeah, they don't vary from driver to driver. Yeah. I mean, other than impedance variations, which we match for, you know, uh, as the drivers are are matched to the headphone, impedance would be the biggest, I think, variation. You know, we have a nominal impedance, and then it can vary a couple ohms, plus or minus, or and and that that would be more of a match in terms of what we're matching for. The f the frequency response and so on is extremely consistent from driver to driver. That's not even a friggin' issue it's not you know if it were then every headphone would sound a little different from the well, other yeah. one you know and that, that isn't what you want and so obviously as a manufacturer that's something that you 
it's baked in. It's already considered, you know, that driver, those materials, the way it's assembled, the assembly, the, the, the precision of the assembly, it's from driver to driver is extremely tight. And well, you're not going to see a variation. I think the last thing we implemented was monitoring temperature and humidity, data logging it, even when we're not here. Well, so like all month you can see when we're not here, like if it's colder outside, how how much the HVAC is cycling and everything. So we're the monitoring it all the time to know. Right you know, what it's like just in that room. Yeah, we keep our building, it doesn't vary a lot. Even when we're not here, we might drop it down five degrees to save energy, but not no more because, again, we don't want to have a, a, a need to have to ramp up and wait for yeah. for parts and components to warm. Yeah, at least in the shop area. Yeah. Yeah, so you know right. when, when we get here, yeah. everything's ready. There are processes yeah. we know not to do first thing in the morning because right. we we, we're going to you make sure. you got to wait for stabilization. Yeah, yeah, right, same with humidity. So, yeah, we got this all down. It's a process. It's a process. It's a procedure. It took a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and we got it down, you know. And it's not like it's not like these things make dramatic differences in the end of the product. It's not right. like our products we made five years ago before we learned this suck or anything. It's just that we're constantly improving and looking at ways to make sure that everything is extremely consistent. Because honestly, in the end, it makes our job yeah, easier. Yeah, I was going to say. It, it just makes it easier on us. It severely reduces <laughs> any kind of warranty issues you might have or out of warrant, even out of warranty, right? I mean, we don't want people to have problems even three to five years out. We don't want them to have problems. So the, the whole process is designed to have this thing as reliable long-term as possible. And it, it works. It's worked for us. We don't, what do we get? A headphone a month maybe in for repair <laughs> what do we get we don't get we don't see it you know even even though we've been making headphones for eight or nine years now so you think about that i mean uh, it's it's pretty good we've been pretty good straight out and we're just gotten better over time in terms of the process so um but you know that's that's who we are that's what we do i think compared to most we're a bit uh maybe a little over the top in some regards a with bit. uh the care and attention put into the way things are assembled. And I've always found that to be extremely important. If you don't assemble something the way it's always been done, you can't necessarily guarantee that the outcome is going to be the way you expect. And that doesn't mean you can't adapt and change, but um, it's very important to know why and how something was put together a particular way so you could ensure that it's repeatable, reliable. If you have different people putting the same part together, you need to carefully monitor them, make sure they're doing it the same way, because there's a lot of things that the end result could look the same, but it could perform differently. It could potentially have issues that were unforeseen. Um, and understanding all these processes and the methods, the techniques used to ensure that you're doing it as close to perfect as possible is very important if you want a long-lasting product that is repeatable. Well, yeah, I mean, being like, assembling it yourself and is working on the design helps out a lot i mean you know how, how why it's done that way and you know right. how it's assembled so you can design it for even better assembly in the future yeah i think in all manufacturing processes they should always have the engineers try to put something together that they made <laughs> you know it's critical yeah. or even take it apart too right yeah. can you fix it like if, if it's something that should be fixed you know what's repairability like you know like some of these cars like yeah. you see these sporty sportier cars where you know, a line blows somewhere like a gas line, and you got to pull the engine to get at it, right? It's like, well, who the hell put that there, right? Yeah, well, Couldn't it looked, you think it of worked that? on paper, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> it looked great. That yeah. was a good space to yeah. put in. According to, you know, on the screen, it looked well, like a spot to put it. A lot of people blame engineers for these things, and sometimes it's warranted. But I think knowing the likely things that you're going to need to touch and understanding the design in its entirety so you could put the things that are more likely 
to be repaired or serviced in an accessible location, that's important. So having more hands-on with um, assembly in the engineering department seems to be a, a very wise choice, yeah, if or possible. Because then at least they have a vague idea how this thing's going together, how it's being actually built. And maybe also build in a little bit of service too. So they you could see when they come back, what do they look like? How did the customer use it yeah. or potentially misuse? Look at the wear marks and stuff and see is it what you expected and predicted? What could you do to improve in the future? I, mean, I pick on cars, but they're very complicated devices. They have yeah, tens of complicated. thousands of parts, you know. So I get it. You know, there's you can't always think out everything, and you, you can't. Sometimes you don't have a choice. You're, it's a design consideration. Well, and you got forever cost constraints and all that. Yeah, totally, totally. Well, sometimes there's also 50 departments working on it, and nobody told you anything. There's no communication between channels, so yeah, you're just right. making a transmission. You, right. you don't know where these hoses are going to line up, and sometimes, well, it's right next to the firewall, and you can't get access, yeah. but. Right. Whoopsie. Well, something's got to change. Something's <laughs> got to give at that point. Yeah, yeah there's you know? the, the, uh, especially with vehicles, there's not too many that it's like one yeah. guy oversees every part of it. You know? Yeah, it's impractical. Well, not to mention you've got the, the cheese balls at the top saying, we need to ship this thing. Yeah, right. This car needs to be ready to go by this month. You know, And at some point, that engineering ends, and you gotta you got to move out of that phase into, into production. Well, I yeah. just heard some, I don't know, GM or something saying something like this. It's like when the when a new vehicle is released, it's like the engineers they're already that's they're already on a new vehicle, so they're yeah. like that's old. Yeah, like, right. But to everybody, it's brand new, you know. Right. <laughs> so they're like, yeah, we were dealing with that five years ago. You know? Yeah, you design these things for years. Yeah. Right. So by the time it ships, just I've been working on this thing for three, four, yeah, five, yeah. six years. Right. Yeah. It's, right. It's old to you. Yeah. You don't want to look at it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. And it's a bit too late at that point to change it, too. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's already shipping. The, the tool has been made. It's moving. being produced. Yeah, which is probably why you see a lot of recalls and stuff like that on a lot of things. And it's, you know, it's stuff that you just, you can't foresee everything. Not possible, when you, especially when you have that many disciplines coming together to put together a, a product. It's not possible to well, foresee Well, and stuff everything. you didn't even make. You know, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. What the tens of thousands of vendors that make the tens of thousands of parts? Well, a lot of the parts in the automotive industry, the manufacturer does not manufacture a great deal of them. But luckily in headphones, um, it is practical to some extent to have one, two, three, four people have an extraordinarily in-depth understanding of the majority or the entirety of the product. And that's super beneficial. If you could get away with it to have one singular individual know every particular item, why it's designed that way, and have an in-depth understanding of the market it's going to be used in, how the customers are going to use it what abuse and neglect might occur to try to mitigate the risks from those in the design stage, that's super important. Then you could hopefully make a product that's easy to assemble, long-lasting, actually yeah. works well in the field, doesn't have issues. But, of course, that's a dream. In reality, there's always something you forget about. There's always something you didn't expect. But you well, hope you live and learn. The other way to look at that is not only not that you didn't expect it, but somebody will find a way to break it. Mm. You know? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and they didn't mean it. You know, they, it's not like they meant it. It just you know their kid got at it or a dog got at it or something happened. You know, or it fell out the car door when they mm. were going somewhere. You know, or, you know, or, or who knows what. You know. Well, one example that I like is you always see people talking about this particular building that stood for a hundred years, a thousand years, whatever it be, right or Roman concrete being so exceptional. But they never seem to take into account the conditions that this device was in or the fact that maybe this old house just so happened to be on a very, very stable foundation that they had nothing to do with 
in the original manufacturer, right? You don't really take that into account. And there's a lot of that out there. You could design something that could last forever if it's not used or if it's tucked away in a, a little box somewhere hidden and never touched. Or it happens to be in the perfect environment for that device. Right, the exact perfect environment yeah. for it, right? Exactly the ideal conditions are how you designed it to be run. But the real task is making something that could be used in most practical environments or any environment and still last. Yeah, that is definitely. You don't see the house that fell down 300 years ago, oh. right? You don't think about it. So this one example that survived for a thousand years, that's great. But taking it apart and seeing how it was made doesn't necessarily tell you how to make one like that where you live. Yeah, right. You'd have to go back to the um, original engineer designers and and find out what their thought process was when they were doing it and find out whether they were actually geniuses or, yeah. or whether they just lucked out. It was just luck. <laughs> yeah. Happenstance. It's probably more than luck than anything. Probably. Uh, you know, I think. Well, it's I, a combination of factors probably. Yeah. You know, they probably designed it to the best of their ability and lucked out. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. But most of them don't stand still. Yeah. Only a few do. Right. So ones that just so happen to be made in the right temperature, the right conditions, with the right mix of ingredients, and the foundation have to be in, in just the right whatever condition so it was stable, and you didn't have to have a lot of activity in that area. There's a whole bunch of factors. Well, it's proof is how many of these, you know, thousand-plus-year-old stone things are still standing. Well, most of them are not many, <laughs> yeah. not too many. Well, yeah. I think, and it's it, it was just like circumstance because, like, I know, like, like the one area that they're making like really good concrete, it's just the area had a lot of like pumice, like, or uh -huh. something in the soil, and that made it strong. Yeah. Yeah. and that's what they had. So yeah. that's, that's common, right? It wasn't yeah. they were like super alien geniuses. Yeah. It just so happened to work. It just so and, happened that's what they had. Right. Yeah. In retrospect, you look back yeah. and you think, "Wow, these guys were so smart," but they were just doing what everyone else was doing. It just so happened that. Uh, the natural resources work to their advantage. Maybe it was really good pumice. Well, it could be. Like better than anywhere on the planet for whatever reason. Could be. You know, no one's looking at that. The milk well, we are makeup now. of the pumice. Now we are. <laughs> now we can look at it. You know, yeah. yeah. Or how they stirred it or whatever, or what, what the temperature was when they mixed it. I mean, you think about right. all that's that's what you get down to, or you boil mm -hmm. down to is the, the whole process just matters, you know, and they, they, they probably just locked out. They locked out when they built that one, you know. It was a good year for... For, for foundations. For foundations, yeah. <laughs> it was a good year. So on that note, everyone, thanks for watching our blabber. Hope that kind of explains the, the, the intricate process of quality control from beginning to end, which there's a lot to cover there. If you really wanted to know the details, you kind of got to work here. But uh, take care of yourself, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>